morning. It is a, a privilege to be with you all this morning. Uh, I've gotten to know your, your pastor some, mostly through, uh, through Simeon Trust, um, and it, is, it has just been a joy to get to, to know him and to, to hear about you guys, and it's always fun to kind of put uh, a face to a name, or faces to a name, or at least partial faces to a name. Um, uh, my, my wife Ashley and I, uh, we've been married for nearly 18 years. And see, so this part's fun for me because you guys don't know me and you don't know how old I am. So I get to watch you do mental math. Uh, I did not get married when I was 13. Uh, we've been married for nearly 18 years. We have a 13-year-old daughter. We have a 10-year-old son. And we've been in Portland for about almost 11 years now. Um, and we didn't make a straight line from, from where we're originally from. We're originally from Texas, from Texas to Portland. We kind of bounced around a little bit. Uh, after about two years of marriage, we, we actually moved overseas for a couple of years. We moved back, and we moved to California for me to start seminary. We were there for a couple of years, and uh, when we finally came to Portland about 11 years ago, we kind of wanted to settle. We were feeling like we were uh, kind, of, kind of aimless, just kind of moving around just every, every few years. And we, we were kind of longing for that, that sense of just like being home and being settled. And I think this theme, especially this time of year, is just really predominant. Just, just the Thanksgiving season, Christmas season, this idea of home and being settled and, and, and like coming home for the holidays, and home is where the heart is. Like we, we see this all the time, in particular this time of year. And, you know, and rightfully so. Like th- this time of year, our house is going to be completely transformed uh, with all of the knickknacks and things that I haven't seen for 12 months. And, and it's great. I love it because it, it, it kind of refocuses us on our, our home, not just our house, but our home. And while this, while this the kind of theme of, of home is so predominant in the holidays, I think it taps into something much deeper. It, it really taps into a sense of belonging. I mean, we all want to belong somewhere, Right? When we, when we feel like we have that sense of belonging, that, that comes with maybe a sense of, of meaning or, or purpose. So we work hard at trying to find this feeling of being at home, whether it's uh, with ourselves, kind of being comfortable in our own shoes, so to speak, or with our family. This morning, I wonder what it would mean to be at home with God. Is it possible to have the same sense of belonging, the same sense of purpose and meaning with God? And if we had it, how would we know it? Right? Our text this morning touches on some of these themes of a sense of belonging or purpose, but more importantly, 
what it means to be at home with God. Be in, Deuter- in Deuteronomy chapter 8, which was read earlier, and we kind of fall into the middle of what is essentially a sermon. Uh, Moses is giving to the people of Israel uh, sort of at the end of their 40-year journey throughout the wilderness and, and just kind of on the cusp of them entering into the promised land. So the first six or seven chapters, Moses is really just reminding them of why they're there. And it's, it's not exactly fun. They're being reminded of their disobedience and, 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 and their sin. And that's kind of what got them there. Moses even recounts and re-gives the law. And then over and over, like a drumbeat, he's urging them to obey all that God had commanded. And that's exactly where we pick up in chapter 8. I'm just going to read it again. Chapter 8, 1 through 10. Carefully follow every command that I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your fathers. Remember, the Lord your God led you on an entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out. Your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind Lord, your God, has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in the ways, walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams, springs, deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. I've got one idea for us, just one main idea. So if you're a note taker, this is, you're up. The Lord disciplines today as preparation for a home tomorrow. The Lord disciplines today as preparation for a home tomorrow. These verses break out into two basic sections. First, discipline in the desert. And then second, prepared for paradise. And as as we kind of work our way through this, as, as we take a look at this text, I want you to consider your own life. In particular, your own discipleship. Your own walk with the Lord and your discipleship with one another. What would it mean to see the circumstances in your life from God's vantage point as a means for Him to mold and shape you and to prepare you to bring you closer to Him, to bring you home? What would it mean for you to press into relationships here at this church in the household of God? I think this is the key to being at home with God, namely 
being at home with God's people. All right. Point one, discipline in the desert. So Moses begins, and he begins by urging uh, the Israelites to follow every command that God had given them. No small task. The stakes are pretty high, right? Their livelihood and their success in taking the land uh, that's promised them is, it seems to be dependent on their ability to follow God's law. I mean, already in Israel's history, there's just this, this rampant disobedience and just ignorance of God's commands. I mean, it's what, it's what keeps them out of the promised land up until this point. And yet, here in these verses, we, we see kind of a twist on what God has been up to these last 40 years. Their 40 years in the desert was, in fact, a result of disobedience and sin. Oh, but God was actually using that as a time to prepare and train and mold and shape his people. See, Moses reminds them of God's goodness to them while in the desert. I mean, his presence and his provision is on full display in these verses. They always had food to eat. Their clothes never became tattered or worn out. No need for goodwill among Israel. And they were, they were even given physical strength. Their, their feet never swelled up. I mean, praise God. <laughs> But we see it really clearly in, in verse 3. Moses tells them that God let them go hungry so that they would learn to depend on God. <clears throat> but not just depend for food. And, and not just depend on, on God for things. No, this lesson was so that they would learn to depend on God's word. God had promised that they were going to enter in a, a good land God had promised that he would be their God, that they would be his people. That just hasn't happened. It just doesn't seem like it's happened yet in, in these 40 years. But they would learn that this was not simply the food that they would eat or the clothes that they would wear. No, it's about leaning in and depending on God's word. A life that is at home with God is a life that's dependent on God's Word. You cannot separate God from His Word. This is why the obedience to God's commands are so crucial. It's not for law-keeping or social order, but it's how they, they would know God. That, that's how God relates to them. It's through His Word. It's true for them that it's actually true for us. But the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves, this is not our natural desire. In and of ourselves, we don't, we don't think we need to know God. The truth is, we don't think we need to know God because we think we've we already do. But namely, it's ourselves. Rather than relying on God's Word and relying on God, don't we tend to want to just rely on 
ourselves, on our hard work, on our paychecks, on our education, on our families. Doesn't it seem a little easier? And yet what we're doing is we kind of set up our own little word, our, our, our own little law. Culture calls it by many different things. Know thyself. Speak your truth. Seems to be a new one. Be true to who you are. And we just kind of set up these little, these little mini self-kingdoms. And left to ourselves, in our kingdom, caved in on ourselves, we, we are standing in rebellion and sin against God and His Word. truth is we need something outside of ourselves. The, the will to obey isn't strong enough if it's even there. No, what we need, no, what we need is Christ. The perfect Word of God that became flesh, according to John chapter 1. Christ came, never failing to obey God's Word. Perfectly submitting Himself to God and His Word fully, completely. And this submission cost everything. It led Him to the cross. It led Him to die a death that we deserve. One that we deserve for our sin and our rebellion against God. Christ took that on Him for us. And in doing so, Christ brings us to God and into a right relationship with Him. It's through His suffering and it's through His exile in the wilderness, so to speak, that we then come into God's presence. Perhaps you're here and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not, you're not a believer, you don't think of yourself as one. Uh, I just want to say this to you. Christianity is not giving you a new list of rules, a new law to follow, new do's and don'ts. It's, it's not a checklist. Now, what, what Christianity is offering and, and kind of brings to the table is a relationship, primarily with Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ most clearly when we open up his word. We see the works that he's done. We see the death on the cross, his death on the cross and his resurrection. That's, that's where we get to know this Jesus. So if you're not a believer, I just encourage you. Have you, have you opened up a Bible recently? Consider reading God's Word. Perhaps grabbing someone else here and you can read it together. So if you have questions, maybe they can answer them. I mean, I even uh, give some recommendations. Start, start in the Gospel of Mark. It's a short one. Uh, get straight to the point. Meet, meet every week or so, read a chapter, discuss what you see there. If you're curious about Christianity, there's no better place to go than Scripture. 
And there's no better person to do that with than a Christian. Consider reading God's Word. Oh, but Christian, you, you do depend on God's Word. You, do, you have put your faith and in, in, in your trust in Christ. So, so why are you kind of messing around with all these other things? Putting your faith and trust in all these other things. What would it look like to press more into trust in Christ and his word? See, there's, there's a, a phrase in our text that, that maybe you recognize. It's, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is actually quoted by Christ when he was being tempted by Satan. And Satan came to him. It was in his uh, 40 days in the wilderness, and he was hungry. And Satan said, you know, turn these stones into bread. And then Jesus, quoting Scripture, didn't fall for it. No, he, he remembered God's Word. It was God's Word that sustained him. And in Christ... You put your faith and your trust in Christ, his death, his resurrection, he sustains you as well. And he does it through the word. This is why God's word in your life is so crucial. Now, I don't want to promote legalism, but give yourself to the reading and knowing God's word kind of whatever that looks like, whatever that means for your schedule. Read it, listen to it, memorize it, meditate on it, study it with others throughout the week. Whatever it looks like, give yourself to knowing God's Word. We, we are a people of the Word. So give yourself to knowing it. And what, what you'll see happen is, it, it, is you're actually giving yourself to knowing God. How do you find yourself at home with God? You find yourself at home in God's Word. Now, I don't just just mean literally reading your Bible at home, but going to God's Word. You're seeking Him out. You're becoming familiar with His Word. You will, over time, become more and more familiar with God and His Son, Christ. But this is important not just for your individual lives, but for your corporate lives here as a church. This is the main thing you do every single Sunday. And I can say that having never been here before. When you gather every single week, this is the priority. What you're doing right now, sitting under the preaching of God's Word. So everything that we've been doing so far this morning, it's, it's just to get us to this point where we open up God's Word, we see what it says, and we try to apply it in our lives. The Word of God preached is the main reason why the church gathers week in and week out across continents and around the world and has done so for centuries. So Harvest, continue to give yourself to the regular gathering and the regular preaching of God's Word. This is, this is not just on your elders or your pastor. This is on you. 
I mean, look, what, look at what's happening here in Deuteronomy. Moses is essentially opening up, opening up the Word, the Bible, God's Word, and is explaining it now to the Israelites, to all of them. They, they are all gathered, telling them, this is on you. Obey this Word. The law of Moses was not simply given to Moses to keep, but it was given to a people. It was given to a people gathered to hear from God's word. Give yourself. Prioritize this gathering. Prioritize the word and the preaching of it. And in particular, the proclamation of the gospel. Let it, let it resonate throughout the life of your church. You know, one, one way this looks at Henson is, is in our small groups. Um, my wife and I, we, we host and lead a small group roughly every other week. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that we do is we do sermon discussion. So whatever was preached the previous Sunday, <clears throat> then we'll just kind of each take a turn and try to, try to figure out, like, what are the highlights? Like, what are the, the big things that impacted us? And I'm amazed. Uh, so we, we meet on a Tuesday, and I'm amazed how quickly I forgot the sermon. <laughs> You know, I have to pull up my notes, and I've got notes, and uh, point one, and oh yeah, it was, it was here, that this, this was really interesting. And it's just Tuesday. And yet, when we do that, I'm always just really surprised and encouraged by the, by the things that like, other people heard and what they took away with. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's been a real joy for me. But back, back in our text, with, with all of these provisions. With all of these things that, that God did, Moses is telling the people that it was done so that they would be humbled and what it would mean to, to depend, <coughs> excuse me, depend on God. And he, and he kind of ends this, this section comparing it with a father that disciplines his son. Now, this, this discipline, that's, that's kind of a harsh word. And, and yes, Israel was in the wilderness as, as like discipline because, because of their sin. The, kind of the way he's talking about it here, it's more the way that we think about discipleship. It's, it's more of like a, like a training or a preparation. Um, so it's not wrong to say that Israel was like un, under punishment, but I... I think we need to think about what it, what it means, what they were going through in the wilderness as, as like discipleship. There was once a day when you didn't really choose your profession, you, like you didn't go to college and like you could choose anything because you could be anything you wanted to be, right? That's what I was told. Um, no, people just kind of went into whatever the family business was. So if your dad was a farmer, you were a farmer. If your dad was a carpenter, then you were a carpenter. If your dad was the king, uh, then, then you were the king, right? That's kind of how it worked. Um, and in that process, raising your children meant also preparing them for this particular trade. This kind of discipline, this, this kind, of, kind of training or preparing, that's the way we talk about discipleship. It's, Christian life is... It, it's an ongoing training program. That's, that's 
what is happening in the desert is God is training his people. He's training them to depend on him. It's discipleship. But for us, what exactly are we training for? I mean, people who train for a marathon actually intend to run a marathon, which is why I don't train for marathons. <laughs> so, so what is discipleship? What, what is the Christian life preparing us or training us for? And this leads us to our second point. Prepared for paradise. Moses begins this section in verse 6, uh, again, just reminding them to keep God's command. But then he tells them how, and he tells them where they're going. He tells them how by walking in his ways and fearing him. And where it leads, it leads them to a better country. It leads them to a good land. And while this land seems to have everything, I mean, it's streams, springs, valleys, hills, wheat, barley, vines, figs, even pomegranates. For all you pomegranate fans, this just kind of goes on. But the point is that they will have everything that they need. As it says in verse 9, you will lack nothing. And yet, didn't we just read that they didn't lack anything? They always, they always had what they needed. Oh, but now, now they're home. Finally, the people of God will be at home, a place where they belong. No more wandering, no more deserts, the manna-only diet can be, can be finally, you know, thrown out the window. And they come into their own land, their own country. And what makes their land and what makes this so significant, it's not all the stuff that's there. It's like, it's like God is there. It's not just any land. This is God's provided land. It is his place, just as they are his people. I mean, that's, that's what we see in verse 10, that when you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. All those years in the desert, God preparing his people for this moment. Purpose of all those years, meaning the significance of, for why God would continue to sustain them in the desert despite their rebellion is now clear. It's so that God would be with his people. Friends, the reality is this is not, this world is not our home. Happiness in this life is not the one that God has ultimately promised us. No, but he has promised to bring us into our own country. Namely, to bring us in to his place. One day, one day soon, Lord willing, the great Christian hope is that Christ will in fact return. When he does, he's going to gather all of his people. And he's going to gather, gather them together in God's place. And, and we get to live with them. We get to see them. We get to be there. We get to belong. 
I know so many, so often this, this world just feels like a wasteland, especially this last couple of years. If anything, it's a reminder that we don't belong here. No, we were, we were created to be someplace more. As Paul says to the Romans, For I consider the suffering of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. And again, for we know that for those who love God, all things work for the good for those called according to His purpose. That means suffering in this life. It's just like the suffering that Israel was experiencing in the wilderness. That suffering is meant to draw you to God. It's working for your good. It's earning something on your behalf. Hardships, job loss, sickness, injuries. God intends to use those moments in your life to bring you closer to Him. Training you to depend and rely on Him. And it's, and it's not just the difficulties. It's, I mean, it's the good times. See, the more you begin to press into each other's lives, just in, just in discipleship as, as a church body, now you begin to not just carry each other's hardships, but you begin to carry each other's you know, victories. And you begin to carry each other's blessings. And God is using those things in your life as a church to bring you as a church to God. All of these things are working for your good because in Christ, God has been working for your good. So here at the kind of the beginning of the holiday season, and you begin to unbox all of those knickknacks, and I love knickknacks, not dogging on the knickknacks, uh, and, and, and your house becomes transformed. Just, just remind yourself, man, this, this is not home. But this, it's the training ground for home. This is where we prepare for home. The way that we press into our relationships, whether that's our family or, or our closest friends. Now, this body, this church family, this is, this is training ground for heaven. This is preparation for heaven. And because, it, it, I mean, it's so guaranteed. It is as guaranteed as Christ got up from the dead. So spend big. Spend big with your time. Spend, spend big with your, your relationships. Jump all in. Because you're training one another for heaven. And whether, whether this is where you will always be or if you're kind of bouncing around, you know, from town to town or just whatever the season of life that you're in, just commit yourself to a local church. Covenant with one another. You need one another. And God uses each of you to bring the other of you into his kingdom. By God's grace. So as
the worship team begins to uh, make their way back up here. <coughs> Excuse me. I do. Kind of be, probably going to do something slightly different. I just want to have a moment of silence. I just want you to just, just kind of meditate on God's word for a minute. Like, it won't be a minute. That's a really long time to be in silence. But use, use Deuteronomy chapter 8. Just, just, just meditate on what God's done in your own life. Meditate on what God is, is, is bringing you into. And then I'll, then I'll pray and we will continue in worship. Father God, we thank you that you did not leave us to ourselves. You do not leave us wandering aimlessly. But you sent your Son, Christ. You sent us your word. Father, help us to depend on your word. Help us to, to help each other depend on your word together, Father. And Father, we, we pray that this, that this would bring us into your good land with you someday. We pray this in your name. Amen.